Just to let everyone know, if somebody does a terrible Mario accent during this edition of the Untitled Film Project podcast, you are allowed to hunt us down. It's only a matter of time, you guys. <laughs> that's uh, that's the home game. Today we're talking about... <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> hunt him down. <clears throat> it lasted 11.2 seconds. <laughs> It's the long-awaited The Super Mario Brothers movie. Two underestimated plumbers in New York City are sucked down a portal and find themselves in a fight between kingdoms after the evil Bowser has used a newfound power to destroy realms in a movie that pays homage to four decades of Nintendo lore. I'm Toad. Uh, Mario. So this is, uh, this is, this is not a dream? Ah! That hurt, right? Yes! Definitely not a dream. Today, we're going to also answer the big question. And this is an easy one here. What was your favorite video game growing up? It's not easy. Some people might have to really think about well, that. Well, no, I mean easy in terms of it's an easier discussion because we all get nostalgic about it. So maybe no, even more than just one. What were your favorite games growing up sure. that bring you back? Ooh, I get more than one. Yeah, what was, oh, what, was the, what was the game that you spent so much time on you neglected? everything else in life and really wish you had a memory card for instead of just keeping the system on i like to think of it as the game that i played so much that i turned and looked at the clock and it was 3 a.m that's how i'd yes. it. yep yep you wear a <laughs> diaper so you don't have to leave the game at a very important moment but first the super mario brothers movie <laughs> initial takes on the super mario brothers movie justin bradford kick us off all right, my initial take for the Super Mario Brothers movie—they're very adamant about very adamant the. about the the and movie. Yes, I had to have those things in there. <laughs> but overall, for the first iteration, because we one hundred percent know they're going to world build off of this, is what it needed to be for the first thing. It's not blowing me away. It's making me smile. It's making me laugh. It's making me appreciate the fan service, the little Easter eggs, the the Leonardo DiCaprio point. All the time when I'd see little things in the background. It's what it needed to be. Could it have been better? Yeah, of course it could have been better. Could it have been worse? Well, it could have been John Leguizamo. <laughs> Up there. So, <laughs> overall, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed how you can tell in the writing of this and overall putting together. They're really trying to focus on the people that played the game growing up and not just the original for the nes but other iterations of galaxy and on the n64 and all the different iterations of it but i really truly think overall this was made for gen xers and millennials that played this growing up that have so much nostalgia connected to the super mario brothers universe and then their kids that are obviously going to enjoy it as well that's what i really think it was for and who it was for and that's okay to me yes it felt like the pacing was off at times whether it was too rushed or too slow which is crazy to think it could be both, but it was at times. Jack Black, Keegan-Michael Key stole it for me in terms of their voice. Uh, I thought Chris Pratt overall was okay. But they explained the whole voice thing all right it very, very, very early on in the movie. Well, they had to. They had to, of course. They had to address that. It was the elephant in the room. Yeah, but absolutely. a lesser movie doesn't do that, though. No, so no, I they do, just I do go with it. Yeah, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy thought was totally fine there, but... Overall, I just I enjoyed it. It was fun for me. It was a fun family film, and I'm curious to see what they do next. More than anything else is, okay, they established what the Super Mario Brothers universe is because, like, think about it, with all the Minions movies, there's five movies that are focused on Minions with three Despicable Me's and two Minions movies now. We're going to get at least two more. How are they going to go past this now, aside from just the fan service 
and everything and actually tell a story about this because that's really what this was. This was a setup for future movies more than anything and just get people hooked is how I felt. But yeah, I enjoyed it overall. I really thought that this movie gave all the fans that have a sentimental place in their heart for Mario Brothers pretty much everything they needed out of the first movie. Uh, I think this movie was plotless for the most part, but it wasn't supposed to have a plot. It really was, I think it was supposed to entertain younger kids and give all those nods and winks and loving, you know, pets to uh, the people that have enjoyed this game for so long. And it did it pretty well. Uh, I thought this movie really had a lot of entertainment value. Is it a great movie? No, but it certainly satisfied a whole bunch of different groups of people, I think. My take is that it's so much fun. I loved being at the theater and being able to watch this movie with like-minded people. And sitting right next to me. Yeah, that's, that didn't. The, the <laughs> that, experiential that didn't hurt. <laughs> part of it, yeah. But... I will also say that I also cannot wait to bring my family because they really wanted to see it. And as you guys know, the listeners, you guys don't know this, but usually we get when we get these screeners, we get a plus one invite, right? You get a, you can just invite you somebody if you want. Friend, you bring one, yeah. yeah. And I was going to finagle it to where my son could go with me, and then like one of you could bring my wife or whatever, you know. Uh, but but uh, hey, my wife wanted to come too. No, I, 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 wait, no, I, I can't. I, I don't know if I could have pulled it off. I just that's what I thought. So. Uh, but then our screener invite specifically said, and it was highlighted, so they were serious, no plus ones. So it was just us, right? Just the critics, which is fine, because again, like-minded people, totally fine. But I cannot wait to bring them to the theater to see this movie, because they're both really going to enjoy it. My wife grew up playing the games, of course, just like I did. Yeah. But my son also has, a, has an affinity for Mario and the whole world, because he's played Mario Odyssey at ad nauseum and he's played like all these games he's even played the classic ones so if you have played this game at all growing up it's such a fun 90 minutes that doesn't mean it's great it just means it's fun fun yeah fun's fine i think fun's fine fun it is fine when you're look you're, you're spending money to go to the theater and you're dedicating 90 minutes out of your day to it sometimes all you need is fun and thankfully not three hours Fun is fun. Oh, God. <laughs> fun is fine. I think that's a great phrase. Fun is fine. It is. <laughs> All right, so let's go a little deeper into the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Jeremy Gover. Bowser did not sound like Jack Black to me. Is that a compliment? It is a compliment. Okay. We talk about this a lot, and Bradford, I hate if I'm stealing your thunder here, but we've talked about this a lot on this show that the reason that we want voice actors for a lot of these parts, a lot of these animated movies, instead of big stars or whatever, is because they just sound like big stars. They're not actually mm-hmm. putting in the work for the craft of developing a voice and finding who the character is and making their voice adapt to that. And Jack Black, I'm not saying he did all that, but I, but he, he didn't say, it didn't sound like Jack Black. If I didn't know it was Jack Black going in, I would not have known that. Peaches, 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 awesome. peaches. And that was that was the most Jack Black, obviously, <laughs> part of the great. whole thing, but it was sure. so funny. The power ballad. Yeah, oh, so loved great. It. Uh, <laughs> the musical cues were tremendous, but I honestly can't, I can't decide, so I'm going to ask the room here. Is it lazy or is it creative? Because I don't know which one it is. Because when you have, the, when they enter a certain world, and 
but it's not that deliberate. It's more of a it's more of a uh, a, a symphony score take on it, mm-hmm. right? But it's clear. So it's like okay, well, obviously you're gonna tip your cap to the existing. I mean, obviously the right? themes that yeah, right. People but, enjoy. but but I got so much enjoyment out of it out of hearing those little musical cues because they weren't blatant. So why is it a problem? I don't know. It's That's not what I'm saying. I don't great. know if it's lazy or not. I don't, don't want to. I don't want to listen to a MIDI file. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, happens, no, sure. So. What I'm saying is, I'm saying a completely original. Yeah. Score. I'm saying. No, I thought it was great. I love the okay. creativity behind how they're able to put those cues. With it was a little on the nose. <laughs> maybe that's what. Maybe that's what I'm trying. Maybe, to Maybe, but I appreciated it because again, it's meant for fans, and fans are going to pick that up, even if it only lasts for three seconds, and people are going to appreciate that because it's like they got it. And what I noticed is when you look at the credits for this movie too, all the people from Japan that were involved. Yes. All the creators of Mario Good. and Nintendo folks were involved in this, and that shows too how they took it seriously to want to make sure that fan service was done right yep. in this is by having so many Nintendo creators involved in this movie. Yeah, and the Mike Tyson's punch-out wall was just tremendously fun. A little me. Mac being Glass Joe was hanging on the wall. I mean, it was just yeah. really, really fun. The, in the background of a scene, I don't remember which scene it was, oh, I man. caught it at the last minute, there was Jumpman. Yep. As an arcade, I think was broken on the floor, and it was the arcade was Jumpman. And for those who don't know, that was Mario's name before he was Mario. That was the game. The whole thing was based on was Jumpman. Never knew that. So it's oh, just yeah. it's a really co- there's just so many little Easter eggs in there. Really, really neat. I loved all that. But I will agree with what Bradford said earlier. Although I think he took a different, a slightly different turn. It seemed stuffed to the brim with Easter eggs. And then simultaneously, it seemed like why did you stretch out the scene for 15 minutes? Right. Yeah. It was a weird. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't even know how to comprehend that kind of simultaneous feeling in a movie where I'm thinking, okay, they have packed so much into this. I mean, they've even involved Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. There's different suits where he turns into a cat, and then there's another like all these things that you didn't. The leaf, like all these things that didn't have to be involved. They threw them. The kitchen sink, short of Yoshi, which we'll get to. They threw the <laughs> kitchen sink at this at this film. Yeah. And that's awesome for fan service. But how did it also feel like this movie should be 20 minutes shorter? How did it fe- how did it feel like that? This should have been an hour long TV movie, mm. not a theatrical release. I'm going to tell you my experience with Super Mario. Going in, I've played it a little. I have no sentimental attachment to all the fan service stuff that they put in there. So I may be going in as somebody who just casually knows Super Mario Brothers. Those things didn't bother me, but I knew it was bringing joy to the people around me. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it was a detriment to the movie because I I enjoyed it regardless, even if I didn't know the references. So it it could have been a little shorter, but uh, all all in all, it didn't bother me. I think they did that delicate balancing act between serving fans, and entertaining everyone else. And with that, too, is I think they packed so much in because they probably felt like they had to. No, right. To appease so many different fans who would be asking the question of why didn't you have this, like the little tease to Yoshi in, earlier in the movie of the, the Yoshi herd mm-hmm. <laughs> just yeah. going, going past. But then all those references to classic games like Duck Hunt mm-hmm. was in there yep. with, what was it, uh, Chasse au Canard. Right? Yeah. It was a restaurant, which mm-hmm. is literally Duck Hunting. And then the... Uh, Star Fox's R Wing was hanging in Mario's room and like the Jumpman yeah. stuff. All those little things are you think this is covering multiple iterations of the Nintendo Entertainment System as well, because you have things from the classic to the Super to the N64 to 
the the switch being referenced here, which is great because there's a lot of Mario games I haven't played, and so there are probably references oh, that I didn't even pick up that were from more recent games that maybe your son Gover has played, but I know I haven't, which is great because it's means this touching the bases for so many different generations, which is I think was the plan. You get people hooked because now the next one comes out. I feel like it's going to be even bigger because you know we're going to get a little bit more of a certain character that was teased. I just think that all the background stuff, again, like the Tyson's Punch-Out wall and the Jumpman video game, all the, those are all what the Yoshi's running. But those are all fantastic, and that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. What I'm saying is like the Rainbow Road scene seemed longer than necessary. That the, the probably tr- could have been done in half the time. The tr- cause all you have to do is be, tip your knife. Okay, that's how we get from one kingdom to another. Done training montage when peach is like go again like you know it, we're not going to go on this adventure until you complete this course and he goes and goes and goes and goes and it shows you the 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 chomping venus fly traps and it shows you the the, the fall away bridges and sh- okay we get it it's i don't know why it's seven minutes long it doesn't need to be that long right so right. it's that's what i'm talking about. It's scenes not necessarily background stuff which was all awesome it's just scenes seem to be far too long for me and I was like, "Why does it? Why am I smiling yet also like, you know? I got to understand." Trying to trying to physically will the movie forward. Yeah, it's like <laughs> let's go, you know. So you'll 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 hear my grade, and it'll, it'll reflect all that. But I guess what I'm saying is, it's a super fun movie to go see again. I can't wait to see it again with my family, and I think that's going to be the big selling point going forward. At least from in my experiences, if somebody has not seen it and wants to see it, I will go with them. Because I want to, I want to enjoy it through their eyes, right? There, Bradford and I sat there, and I don't know how many times I, uh, you you heard us go, hmm. <laughs> like, you know, because it was a little a musical cue or it was something. Or I did point at the screen, I'm like, oh, they did it! Yeah, like yeah. Uh, there was a lot of that, but they packed it all in and then simultaneously made it feel like it was bloated, which is very weird. Uh, yeah, it's hard to describe because it, it is a it was a slow morphine drip of little <laughs> fun things. But at the same time, you're like, okay, let's let's get on with it. Yes. Let's you know, let's have the baby or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in true video game fashion too, they jump into some things because all of a sudden he appears. He's brought to Princess Peach's castle, and she's like, okay, complete the training montage. You'll come with me. No background, no idea. Which just knows that he's odd. human. But it's a video game thing. You're jumping right in. Like I, you have to save the princess. I but, let it slide because of that. Yeah, yeah. but if it's, it's a movie, game. I'm like, come on. Right. But also with that too is I do like how they've updated Princess Peach to where she's not this damsel in distress Yes, that was anymore. a very nice touch. Very strong refreshing. female yeah. character. Yeah, but that. still also accepting Mario, and Mario's the one that's needing more training because it's not his world. It is her world. Right. And the way that's been built is that he's coming from a different world to come in and try to save, but more it's just the, I need to rescue my brother Luigi. And Princess Peach is the one, well, I grew up here. I know all this. I did it right the first time and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So it's nice we got a little bit of her backstory, but also explaining why she was not this damsel in distress because she grew up in this world. It's hers. She knows it so, so, so much. But Bowser, on the other hand, being in love with her, I love how they did that take. And the, it's, it reminded me the one scene where he's playing with, it reminded me the space ball scene. <laughs> We're playing with dolls. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, I love you, I love you. No, 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 I can't. Not, I can't. not next time. <laughs> that. I didn't see anything. No, sir. I did not see you playing with your dolls again, sir. <laughs> that. Loved that because right. it's Thanks, just showing bro. how Bowser's demented as well. Yeah. And and I really did enjoy that. And I love the take of how Jack Black did that as well. So that overall, I love what they did with Princess Peach. I was really impressed visually with this movie because like we've made, you know, uh, very abundantly clear, this movie had to encompass all the different changes of Nintendo over time. It was stunning. It was 
gorgeous to look at. This is an eye candy movie. Uh, one of the things that I, I found truly interesting, and I, you know, I don't know if this was fun or if it was torture for the uh, <laughs> you know animators for the visual <laughs> effects people, but it seemed like almost every character was designed in a different style or era. Okay, you've got Donkey Kong. Looks like a stuffed animal. Princess Peach, she's got like a, a, a Disney Toy Story Barbie kind of look to her. Bowser's a bad guy, but he looks like a dog squeaky toy. Like if you squeezed him, he'd go... <laughs> so like it was, I was noticing all these different textures everywhere. It's they eye did. candy. It's beautiful. And it's the kind of thing that... In terms of animation styling overall, we see that, and then we know that into the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is coming up, which is just going to be a visual masterpiece. We already know. Yeah. So that's in terms of visual, we're getting some great animation, which is nice because we've gotten some crap visual <laughs> effects. True. Over the past few months. Sure. Yeah. I mean, some garbage. Yeah. So it's nice to turn that corner and be like, "Hey, look, a couple movies in a row that are." They look good. They finished. Yeah, hey, all check that out. Stuff with they, the visuals. They don't seem yeah. rushed. Okay, I, w- I want to get thoughts on this. Seth Rogen typically plays one type of character. How did we feel about his version of Donkey Kong? I liked it. I I got I I am sometimes annoyed by Seth Rogen being Seth Rogen, <laughs> but to me, I bought it very quickly, and I don't usually do that with Seth Rogen. I agree. I thought it was a, a, a great choice. That's the kind of... Sorry, Seth. That's the kind of role he should be playing. <laughs> that's a, I, he gets paid. I know that, but I, you know, but he's, he's, he's an A-list star. You know, This is the kind of role that I'd love to see him play forever. Is this <laughs> the kind of the... The, the forever Kong? The, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Not, not that role. I'm saying the kind of character. This type of character. A side character, comic relief. Yeah, still totally. kind of... Knuckleheadish, yeah, right. That's that's Seth Rogen to me. I'm okay with that. And I enjoyed how he and Chris Pratt, their two characters between Mario and Donkey Kong, how they played off each other. I do like the relationship they kind of established between the two of them after their big fight, which I was another scene I thought went a little long. Thank you as well. So yeah, I didn't want to name them all. That is a third one. No, <laughs> right. right, but is that's what's crazy? How it felt rushed, but also dragged out at the same time in certain parts. For sure. <laughs> was there a moment in the movie where you're like? I really appreciate that they stuck that in there. There was one, and like I, I kind of have uh, a, a love of that original, you know, theme, which is mm-hmm. Koji Kondo, right? It, it's not something like I've I've studied or anything, but like that theme is so embedded, I think, in all of our DNA. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe when. Bowser's playing the piano, doing a power ballad, Mm -hmm. and on the piano where you'd usually see Steinway or Yamaha, Mm -hmm. I believe it said something like Ludwig von Kondo or something. I think it was the reference to Mm -hmm. the original composer, which I thought- Fantastic. I don't know all that much, but I got that, and that's cool. Mm -hmm. Nerd. (laughs) Over, was there any moment for you? Rainbow Road. I mean, it's it's cliche, but I grew up with Mario Kart 64. Rainbow Road was- the devil yep. and then you unlock it and your brain how you attack it and 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 play that certain and then it's like oh okay and then you can kind of do something that other people can't do so it's like yeah. it's kind of a weird uh validation if you will so the fact they put rainbow road in there even though i knew it was coming mm-hmm. that was that i was like yes like that i'm so glad they worked that in for me it was this is more recent in terms of mario kart 
but it was the Mario Kart customizations. When yes. it comes up to okay. the carts and they're able to start scrolling through the different customizations yes. and all of them have different ones. I, I That's when I point at the screen and went, oh, that's so cool! Because yeah. it's like I'm playing the video game with the controller scrolling through the types of wheels you want, the mm-hmm. body build you want, right. all these types of things, Paint. and the different acceleration yeah. you have, braking abilities, and then of course Toad rolls up in his big rig. Yeah, like I, That made me giggle because that is a very Toad thing to do. So I, I really appreciated that moment, not just here's carts, we're going to the Rainbow Road, but they actually went through the whole video game aspect of we're going to customize your vehicles, go choose your car. And Mario went very Mario with yes. his car. And I, I love those, that little bit right there. All right, guys, this is another one of those movies where we have completely conflicting Rotten Tomato scores. And I know I'm the one that typically brings this up, but I think it's fair discussion for some of these movies. And what we're seeing from some critics that aren't necessarily us. While we may give something that's like a six or seven, that's totally fine for it's a decent movies, not the best, but it's not awful. Super Mario Brothers movie opened up with a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. Right now, it's at a 96 audience score. So it's serving its purpose and reaching its target demo. People are enjoying it overall. But is what is the problem here? Because it's if anything, I think it's making critics look bad, like us, and giving <laughs> us a bad name of being a movie critic when it's getting that awful of a debut on, on Rotten Tomatoes, is it critics not understanding the purpose of the film? Is it reaching the, the wrong demographic? Are they not understanding the point of all of this? What is the issue there to have something so separated out? Is it people that can't enjoy things or they're looking at it too critically and hypercritically? What What is the issue here? Jim's, yeah, Jim's the veteran here. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, this is one where uh, you, as a critic have to step away from your own attachments to uh, to the film and say, okay, as a movie, if, if I take away my history with this movie and just look at this objectively, is this a good story? Is, this, is it well acted? Is it all those things that you would apply to any other movie? And I think if you honestly look at this movie only in those you know, regards, which I think they're trying to be consistent doesn't deserve a very super score of 90-something. But this movie does make a ton of people happy because they want to go in for other things other than they didn't want a great story. They wanted all those little nods to everything they loved. So I think that's where the disparity is. I have no problem with the critics' score. When I score movies, when I go see a movie that I want to be I want to see something I've never seen before. I want to be impressed with something. It doesn't have to be a scene or uh, animation style. Just anything. An Any, idea. Yeah. Just uh, it's, don't give me vanilla. Give me something else. Give me some flavor. Okay? So for me, if again, removing, which I will in my score here, you'll see, removing the nostalgia, removing the fact that I had a great time, removing the fact that I understood these references removing those how is it as a film and as a film it is very average it's not the best movie ever made but 48 is not, not average it is average 50 percent is average so 48 percent is right around that 50 i wouldn't consider that average if we're looking in terms of scores that's very that's very low uh, i think uh, a lot of at the way studios look at scores they don't ever want a 48 they were, I mean, you, a seventy would be happy. I think, yeah, for I think a lot seventy is probably your threshold. If it's under seventy, and you work at a studio, you are thinking, "Well, we screwed this up." But in this case, they will not because they will make a gajillion dollars, right? Especially but also, service. also, again, I think the score they care about really 
is the audience score. 100%. Yeah, and right the now, audience yeah. score is what? In the 96. 90s. Okay, see, right so now. they yeah. don't care about the handful of critics that are like... Yeah. Because, again, you can like something and enjoy your time at something and still be like, it's not that good. Those two things can happen together. It can, but not too often, because if it's not good, it's not likely that I'm going to have a great, a great time. What I'm saying is a critic doesn't care why you made the movie. A critic cares, is this movie a piece of art? How, where does it rank in the grand scheme of what I have to see? What, what, you know, what is the, what, you got to see this movie. And if, if it's, this I is not it. what you just said. Okay, but the question with that, though, is should there not be considerations in terms of what box you're putting certain movies in and expectations? No. If you do, well. no, because if you do that, this movie wins Best Picture. Okay, no, I'm not trying to make it that extreme. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Like, but that, that does illustrate a good point, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they should consider that. No. And I don't know how anyone's going to take this, but I'm going to just say it. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick, not a great film. Now, it was a fun ride. I really enjoyed going. I went back a second time with my family who hadn't seen it yet, right? It can be fun. It can be like a fun time. It can be well worth your time to go, well worth your money. But it's not deserving, in my opinion, anywhere close to Best Picture, and it got nominated for Best Picture, I think, because not only are there 10 nominations, but also because they're trying to have something that's relatable to the everyday audience included in the 10. It doesn't have any place. It's mm-hmm. not even in the same conversation as women talking, everything everywhere all at once, right? But Top yeah. Gun Maverick made the most money, so in order to get eyeballs on the Oscars, they put it in there. They put it in there. Which is a whole other conversation. Is, Should there be a best entertaining yes. film or something like that? And the answer to that is yes. Year, well, uh, that's why you have the People's Choice Awards. I just I'm just I'm it. just curious because it seems there's so much disparity now in some of these movies where I feel like when I read some critic reviews, they're doing it for attention on themselves. Ooh, with some of these, that's because, a different conversation than what you just. I asked. I understand, yeah. but some because of the ways the answer even, is yes, that is true. Because some of the reviews for the days of of, of social media and uh, getting you know the algorithm to work in your favor by having an outrageous take on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you look back at the history of movies, the disparity between the critic score and an audience score before Rotten Tomatoes even existed was always there. I remember growing up, going to the theater, loving a movie, going to watch Siskel and Ebert to see what they thought of the movie. They both gave a thumbs down and being furious. Yeah. And it's the same thing we're talking about right here. Yeah, I think this is as old as time. Look, we are critics. We watch, what, 100 movies a year, give or take a few, okay? At least. So Right. So if I'm watching 100 movies a year, I want you to show me something that's special. And when it's not special, it falls into the pile of just meh. And then when it's really bad, like 65, for example, <laughs> then it's it, you, you, you notice it for the wrong reasons. Right. Okay? This is a movie that's right down the middle for me. It's not a five. I'm not getting ahead of my score here. I'm just right. saying like it's in that pile of kind of like, okay, I'm not going to forget I saw it. But you'll it watch it multiple I, times because it was fun. Yes. At I, least. I'm not going to forget I saw it because it's Super Mario Brothers. It's nostalgic. I get it. My family wants to go see it. It's a, right? Yep. But at the same time, it doesn't mean it's a work of art. I may have a fantastic time at the latest, you know, uh, thing that they've created at Disney World, 
But am I going to compare that experience to walking in and seeing the Sistine Chapel? Right. You know, it's well, different. Yeah, of course. There's, there's different purposes, and it's, <laughs> is it going to stand the test of time and be looked at a thousand years from now? Probably not. If it's premiering at a 48 from critics and a 96 from audience, there is some break point in there on are people just not getting it or not? No, it's hot take artist. That's that's what I'm getting at because there's some in there where I can read them going, okay, they just either actually have good points. This is what I understand. The plot was very thin. They didn't like the pacing, explaining themselves. Other ones are using extremely large words to show off the review. How does somebody <laughs> cut through the noise of 150 other critics? And and if anything, that. too, I'm not trying to put yep. all my eggs in the Rotten Tomatoes basket. It's more of just a discussion point. No, I'm just saying when you have that's 50% an aggregate range, site, right? Right, yeah. Okay, yeah. so if you're going there and you want to find out about the movie before you go see it, yeah. well, what's going to stand out to you? Large words and hot takes. <laughs> that's what's going to stand out. So, because you which get is a problem. A hun- yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Before we get to the big question uh, about your favorite video game, let's see who gets the high score on this machine <laughs> for the Super Mario Brothers. Uh, let's get your score for this thing, Justin Bradford. All right, overall, like I said, I enjoyed it. It's not perfect. It's not great. It's not awful. Uh, if anything, I am now waiting for the F-Zero and Excite Bike uh, movies. I'd really <laughs> appreciate Paper those. Uh, Paperboy would be great. Yep. Um, I just want it filmed in the overhead view like on Game Boy. <laughs> That's how I want the entire movie the to be for Paperboy. Uh, uh, if anything, because we didn't necessarily get to it, uh, I do like in terms of the end credit scene how they gave us a tease. Yeah. Uh, for Yoshi. Yep. We were all wondering. I think that's the one thing when they when they went into this film, they're like, we have to hold something back from the fans mm-hmm. to make them want more. And they're like, what more could they hold back aside from Yoshi? Yep. The fan favorite mm-hmm. character in all of the Super Mario Brothers world is Yoshi. And so they're going to hold that back under uh, 100% realizing that we're going to have multiple films in this. If anybody went into this movie thinking this is a one-off, you're dumb. no this is the beginning of an empire it's an empire we're going to get at least three movies and potential spinoffs because like i keep saying is if they're able to so far milk five movies of minions yeah we're going to get at least three of the super mario brothers who have so much source material at least there's source material they have things they can build off of based on video games it can be loosely connected they're going to be able to do this because they don't have to be super creative to do it they have a video game to base stuff off and they just like oh we got that as a source material let's roll with it whereas minions they had to come up with something off the top of their head which overall in terms of family entertainment they've been geniuses at and what's going to milk it for money they have very entertained very much so so many people and here by having that nostalgia hook they get people more like me that just grew up with this it's like yeah i'm gonna go see it multiple times this is fun Again, doesn't have to be great. It's fun, and I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed being in there next to Gover and having little reactions to things. And it's great having that. Um, overall, again, Jack Black, Keegan Michael Key. Appreciate Keegan Michael Key with his voice work because I thought they did something to adjust it. When he was on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, he was talking about and in the process he was going through voices, and they kept asking him to go higher and higher and higher. And that's his voice. I had no fully. idea. I, really, I thought they adjusted it. I thought it was artificial. Yeah. But it's fully him. You can tell his inflections there and everything, too. But it's 100% his voice. Uh, but peaches, 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 I give it a 7. 
All right. Well, I, you know, I, this is Jim, and I saw the uh, the movie with just a little bit of nostalgia, yet I was still entertained. This is a movie that, uh, to me, I think is just going to be family fun for a long time, but it's not great art. It's a little paper thin in plot. I really enjoyed the voice acting. I thought it was really good. The writing was pretty good. Pacing, maybe a little bit of a problem. So I'm going to say... A 6.5 for me. It was good. It just wasn't fantastic. I'm going to go, quick rundown here. King Boo was only in the wedding scene, so points off for that. He's my favorite Mario <laughs> character of all time. Points <laughs> off for King, King Boo's Boo limited screen time. Basically a cameo, yeah. Uh, okay. What more were they going to do to develop King I'm Boo? I'm not sure, Gover? Bradford, but I can tell you that he's my favorite character in the entire Mario Kart universe. And, and uh, for him to only have about 12 seconds of screen time isn't a personal insult. What about like the Grand Bob-omb? That was fun. Okay. Yeah. The writing could have been better. There could have been more laughs, more wit, and less stretching. I didn't. I, I, did, I just didn't care for the writing. And I went and, saw, uh, and looked. Matthew Fogel wrote this, who also wrote The Lego Movie 2 which was not stellar, still had its moments, but not yep. stellar, and Minions, The Rise of Gru, also not stellar, and I will be, and I will say they all felt the same. Every time I left those mm-hmm. movies, I felt like, okay, like it was enjoyable. I enjoyed that I saw it. I'll probably go see it again. But at the end of the day, there could have, there's so much left on the bone. So more power to him. He's, making, he's getting a paycheck. He's with Illumination. That's wonderful, but you can do it better, right? It was stuffed and bloated at the same time. It's very hard to do. It's not a good thing. It was visually gorgeous, and it was super fun. I can't wait to go back with my family. That is the roller coaster of my score, 6.0. We talked about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Now it's time to get into our favorite video games of all time. Where is your heart in the video game universe? Let's start with Jeremy Gover this time. So I want to thank Bradford for kicking off the show by saying we could have multiple. I'm only going to give you two, but I want. I, but I didn't want to say that. Uh, is it a tie for for top, or is one honorable mention? No, one is an arcade. Oh, okay. And one is a console. Okay, cool, cool. So nice. I, I was able to split it up that way. Okay. Yep. All right. The arcade. I'll start with that. Is Gauntlet. Oh, I grew yeah. up going to uh, Round Table Pizza out in Antioch, California, and playing Gauntlet quite a bit. Wow. And I can still hear in my head. Warrior needs food badly. Warrior's <laughs> about to die. Oh. <laughs> okay, so that's <laughs> so that's Gauntlet. My favorite game of all time, though, like all things, like like everything, doesn't matter what it is, is Tetris Attack. Not Tetris, although that is, I think, the greatest video game of all time. Yes, but Tetris Attack. It was on Super Nintendo, if I'm not mistaken, and we played it for hours to the point. Like I worked at Toys R Us. And all the Toys R Us people would get together and go over to Ron Sanvey's house, shout out to Ron, and we would <laughs> just have marathons, like hours-long marathons of Tetris Attack, where we'd go back and forth, have tournaments. And all that. You look up, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you got to go home because you got to work at 8 in the morning. <sighs> like, it was just brutal, but all of us were into it. Tetris Attack, if you ever played it, please let me know, because it's a very rare game. It's not, it was not exactly the, 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 the king of the crop at the time, but for those of us that did love it, we loved it. Very good. Sounds like you're part of a cult. It was a little cultish. <laughs> a little culty. I did dream colors and shapes for a while. 
Yes. So it's and if if anybody has seen the Tetris movie, they make sure that they mention at the very beginning of the movie what we all felt during any game of Tetris, which is you see the shapes for hours after your eyes are closed sure. laying in bed. <laughs> which is amazing. Which is really funny. That's why I stopped playing it because I was dreaming. Mm. And I was like I can't I can't do this. And then you went to the meetings. And then I went to the meetings. Yeah. Tetris Anonymous. <laughs> Good old TA. Bradford? So I think I am the, the, the true definition of an, of an elder millennial with my choices here. All right. Because I, I had an Intellivision. It was my dad's growing up, so played plenty of that. Did not have an Atari. But an Intellivision, I think, is that one that people forget about. It is. So mm-hmm. much. Because Atari was right there. It had an NES. So... Definitely played Super Mario Brothers, played, had an SNES, and then it kind of stopped there for a while because my parents were like, you don't need video game systems, you need to do your homework. Uh. Yeah. But in terms of favorite games, Excite Bike, I loved in the Ooh. NES. It was so fun to build those custom ones. On the SNES, I loved F-Zero. I would play that for hours. F-Zero was cool. F-Zero was so, so cool. Se- on the Sega Saturn. Ooh. Now we're talking. I played that. NHL 97. For hours upon hours. and Which is longer than the Sega Saturn lasted. Actually. I know. <laughs> They're like, do you really want to buy this one? <laughs> yeah, because my friend had it. Like, I want it too. But Are you sure? we were talking about games you'd play for hours. I would play this for hours until like 2 in the morning because I'd just be playing as the Detroit Red Wings at this time because they were the powerhouse and would just blast through teams. And it was so much. I'd play like a whole season in a few days. Sure. Kind of thing. But the game is Goldeneye. On the N64. That is going to be hard to fight. GoldenEye 007 1997. Dear God, in terms of the the multiplayer aspect of this game, the way you're finally able to play with and against your friends in a video game and have a split screen, even if it was a 13-inch TV, you could play a four-person split screen and play video games where you could play against each other on a level and just have that, that sleepover type of feel to where you're not having to watch two of your friends or one of your friends play, but right. all four of you could play until four in the morning when the sun's getting ready to come up. So rare at a game. So in the 90s, it was, it was generation break. Like, it was just history breaking for, for this game, and I played it so, so much with my friends. I never had an N64, but I'd always go over to friends' houses that did, and we would stay up so late playing this game and loved it so, so much. That's video game memories for me of what I spent so much time playing with my friends. We didn't always have them, uh, but I always had maybe a friend that had one, or you know, or we would go to an arcade and and play games. Uh, so it kind of depends on I think where you are in life when you had enough time to be fully engrossed and in today's language binge a video game. That's very true. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm going to come in. I'm going to give a little nod. Uh, this is my. Uh, runner-up, okay? When I first got the PlayStation, Gran Turismo, mm-hmm. it just, I was engrossed with the game. I could not stop driving and playing that game. It was just beautiful. It was really cool. But the game that I would say led to more non-productivity from me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good metric. Yes, it is. Is uh, is from the late 80s, Nintendo Tecmo Bowl. It just happened to coincide with, I was a, a big fan of the Buffalo Bills. They were doing, they had done their, you know, Super Bowls in which they consistently went and lost. This was the game that allowed me to go and rewrite history 
and, you know, have Jim Kelly throw balls to James Lofton, and I could plays that would always work, and it just, like, it consumed me, and it also happened to coincide with a time when my work schedule and my wife's work schedule were different. So I had hours by mm-hmm. myself where she didn't know I was wasting time <laughs> with Tecmo Bowl, and I loved it. Were you playing as the Raiders with Bo Jackson all the time? Uh, once in a while. <laughs> when, he, when he wanted to win. When, he wanted to, when you wanted to return something from the one-yard yeah, line, you yeah. knew what was going to happen there. The Bengals were very strong in that game. <laughs> Boomer Esiason, Icky Woods. <laughs> yes. Icky Woods was a surefire bet to score on the ground. I love that. It's a good choice. We all had good choices. Quick fun fact. I owned a Sega Master System before the Genesis, right? They competed with Nintendo at the time. And the reason that I got a Sega Master System, the boxes that you got the games in, they look like VHS cases. (laughs) And that was your draw? That is why I got them, because they looked clean on the shelf. See the other the Nintendo games were boxes. They're paper, and you mm. get the game out of it and throw the boxes away. I liked the cleanliness of the. You just open it up, you pop it open, satisfying pop, and then you can pull the cartridge out, play it, and you can put it right back in line with the rest of the games. It looked like a library. Somebody told me we're all OCD about something, and I think that's yours. Mine started at twelve years old. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. We've talked about the Super Mario Brothers movie and our favorite video games. We know that you may have had some overlap on those favorite video games, but you probably have something that consumed you. We'd love to know about it. Talk to us. Tell us what we got wrong and right about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Go to us on social media, Untitled Film Project. He acts so surprised every time we toss it to him to close the show out. He's so reluctant. Be- because I would think that everybody knows just how to find us by now. It's like, go to social media, I'd type it in. You probably got to the show by doing that anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Find us on our other channels. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.